0: Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for uh, joining us uh, in person and online. Um, Today we have a special guest, Cindy Cunningham. But before I invite her up, I'm going to share a little bit because, you know, I just can't go without preaching every week. Uh, No, we've been doing our rhythms. We started this last week. This is kind of a newer thing. And so I want to go over it again with you. And I'm going to share a little bit about this week's rhythm. Uh, so what I'm asking you to do is partner with uh, one of my best friend's churches in Denver. And they lead, he leads a collection of house churches. And a kind of a way to organize and be together, and although they're not maybe in the same room all the time together, uh, they practice these rhythms together. And so I've uh, invited you guys to do this with us and with them. You're part of a greater Christian community where we're practicing rhythms to become more like Jesus. These aren't like hour-long devotions. Uh, These aren't heavy Bible study things you've got to do. It's something just quickly to read, something to think about, uh, something to do during the week. And then I've added my piece, because you know me, uh, a piece on something to reflect about. Because I've talked about how we need awareness with our knowledge. We need awareness with our practice to bring this together to experience God and to experience transformation. So you can sign up to get an email from us on the Rhythm, or you can download our app. And if you go to the app, it's on the uh, homepage of the app. Uh, and you can click right there, and you'll see our Rhythm for the Week. And so this week, our Rhythm is uh, called, Everything Begins with the Next Thing. So the verse comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 14. Where Paul's at the end of First Corinthians, we did a study on First Corinthians uh, last year, but he's at the end of this letter, and he gives him kind of a list of things to do, and he says, "In everything you should, everything you do should be done in love." And the thing to think about this week is that everything seems like a lot. If you think about everything, doing everything you do in love, every person in your life, everything you do—I mean, that's pretty overbearing. But something to think about this week is just to think about. The next thing you do, do in love. Just the next thing, okay? Um, We're not talking about all the people in your life you can think about running out of love. Um, You can think about all the things that you have to do. But what's the next thing you could do in love? So last night when I received the email for the week and I thought about this, sometimes the next thing for me is probably when I'm with one of my kids and when they wanted to do something and I have to say no. (laughs) What's the next thing I could do in love is, okay, how can I say no in a love, loving, kind way? Maybe you can change that harsh no to, <laughs> uh, let's think about this, just some patience. Well, why do you want to do that? That's listening. How can I do the next thing I do in love? My next thing when I walked in the door was seeing one of you. My next thing was, you know, what's the next thing that you can do in love? Maybe it's that next email you write, right? Maybe it's that next text you respond to. What's the next thing you can do in love? Here's what's to do this week, okay? As you're practicing this this week, trying to focus on the next thing is, how can you do this in a way that benefits someone else? What you're about to do, whatever it is. Um, uh, Here's a really good question also is, uh, am I interested in the person right in front of me? Their story, troubles, hopes, and fears. Are you really even interested in that person? You can't love people if you're not really interested in them. You know, What's the next thing you could do in this person is just to be interested in maybe what they're saying or what they kinda of wanna say, but they may not say because they don't feel loved. My reflection questions include this week is to uh, ask yourself why was it hard to assume the best of that other person this week, right? Why was it so hard to do that? Uh, if you could be honest and answer this question this week as you try to do this, do I feel annoyed, scared, or resentful when trying to be interested in this person? How many times when someone's talking, you're already out of it. You're like, I'm thinking about the next thing i got to do. See that? You're just hoping the conversation ends. Or you're listening to something so you can just reply. In that moment, to how annoying does it feel to try to do the next thing in love? To love this person, to hear what they're saying, to communicate love to them. Uh, so this week, I'd encourage you, download the app if you haven't already. You can read this. It's something to think about. It takes a few minutes, like we just did it right here. Something to do, and then some reflective questions. And these questions you can talk about. Me and Crystal do this. We talk about the questions or whatever, how our experience was with this. Uh, you know, i got plenty to say, so I have my things I want to say. <laughs> and then maybe you do it with a friend or text a friend or whatever it may be. We're doing this as a community because we may not be always together. There's a lot of things that always keep us apart. Right now, it's the pandemic. There'll be something else later. Uh, Can we still be a community? Can we still be together growing and becoming more like Jesus? Well, today I'm thankful to have Cindy Cunningham with us. Cindy's a friend of our church for five, six years now, and she has been ministering in Uganda. And uh, Cindy, thank you so much for being here and for sharing. She's been ministering to orphans for years. And we're just so thankful to have you here. So I'm going to give you the rest of the time. Thank you. Bless so
1: much. you. Good to be here. Please forgive me for coming in late. I came here and got the wrong address. Thought uh, and anyway, but praise God, I'm here today, and I appreciate it. Um, thank you, everybody online, because I know all of you guys have been a part of Village of Hope, and I think it's over five or six years. It might be closer to eight, but you guys have been such a great part of what we're doing in Uganda with our orphans. Most of you already know our story, but for those of you that are maybe online or here for the first time or are not familiar with Village of Hope, um, in 2006, God brought me to Uganda in kind of a crazy, crazy way. And wasn't looking to start a ministry, wasn't planning on starting a ministry. Um, I was with another organization, and they were asking me to go to the countries in Africa to kind of see what's going on so I could help the ministry in that area. And God took me to a place in northern Uganda called Gulu. And as we drove there that night, I remember it took us about nine hours and there were potholes the size of cars which i found out later they were actually landmines you know and there had been a war going on for over 20 years and it was between um this crazy man who thought himself god who came in and said you know worship me or i will destroy you and he did that to this entire tribe and they said no we Won't worship you because they had been basically Christians. And because of that, he says, I'm going to destroy you. And that's basically what he did for over 20 years. He came from community to community to little villages with huts. And they usually have communities as families. You know, auntie lives here, you know, grandma, grandpa live here. That way they can take care of all the children, right? That's how it used to be for all of us. And Came in and one by one just destroyed every home, destroyed every, you know, every family and would kill the adults in a gruesome, gruesome way and then abduct the children. And so as I go into this town that was normally about 10, 15,000 people, there were over a quarter million people because they had ran here to escape. So we are going through these places. Um, they're called Internally Displaced People. So it's an IDP camp. And there were 52 of them, these camps. And they were huge, you know, like 10, 15,000 people. And I think of camp as, you know, Girl Scouts. We go camp. Camp during the summer. My family goes camping. This was nothing like that. There were children everywhere I could see, and they were um bloated bellies and flies and sitting in their feces. And I kept thinking, "What kind of world is this that I'm walking into?" But that's the place that God dropped me into, and this was 2006. And as I heard stories, this little child says, he was a little boy named Joseph. He said, They abducted me and they said, kill this boy or this boy's gonna kill you. And they put a machete in his hand. You know, it was just this is not normal. This is not a place where this is not normal. It's not some place I can file in my mind. So then I keep hearing more and more stories. And when this man would come in with his rebel group and slaughter everybody, that's what he was doing. He was abducting the little children. He was forcing them to be child soldiers, and he was dehumanizing them. You know, once they slaughter somebody, you can't go back. If you go back, they're going to hate you. They're going to kill you. So this little child has no idea What right from wrong is anymore? They get all confused, and they follow this leader, and they don't have a choice. And, you know, they're deprived of everything. So as I'm hearing the stories, God just broke my heart. You know, we ask God to break our heart for the things that break his. And that's where God broke my heart. And a year later, I quit my job and started Village of Hope. it's been a crazy journey since then, six months after I quit my job, started Village. I hope I got a brain tumor the size of a tennis ball. And I called him Harvey, you know, for har anyway, spaulding anyway. But um but God had plans through all of that, and I'm very thankful that God uses all things for his good purposes, right? It doesn't make sense during that time. But I look back now, and if it hadn't been for that brain tumor, I don't think Village of Hope would be where it is today because God used that horribleness to spread the word. All of a sudden, people were hearing all over the country, there's this crazy woman who quit her job, had no insurance, no income. She has a brain tumor, and everybody's like, why? What's going on? people started hearing the story of our kids and it reminds us all the time, you know, we're in the middle of, of hard things right now. We're all in the middle of COVID and it's such a a horrible thing. You know, people are dying, people are getting really sick. But in the midst of that, we as the church have this opportunity to go and, and um, minister to people, may not be face to face. It may be mask to mask. You know, maybe it's just dropping off food for somebody or, or helping them in some different way. We have more time on our hands in a sense because a lot of us are still working from home. So even in this crisis, in the middle of crisis, God can use us as a church. Sorry, that was a sideline. Um, so, anyway, what we do is we have built villages, homes for kids. We've built a school for kids. And so it's on this huge 100-acre 100, 100 um, community, uh, 100 acres, and the kids are able to come and be safe. They're coming to get an education. And we have three of our kids, um, Linda Lawrence and Caesar. They have been with us since 2008, 2009. They placed first in their scores in all of northern Uganda. That was Linda. And second and third were Lawrence and Caesar. So that first, second, and third in all of the scores in academics is our three kids. You know, I mean, that's a huge praise. Today we have over 130 plus students that have gone through our vocational program. You know, we started with little kids. But you know what happens with little kids? They all grow up and we feed them way too much. And they are healthy and they're able to now go to school. And because of some of them missing so much school from being abducted, we had to figure out other ways to help them. And a vocational program really seemed to work really well. So. We have carpentry, mechanics, uh, bricklaying, and uh, tailoring, and hairdressing. And for the girls especially, after a semester of hairdressing, they can make money, you know, which is huge because most girls are, are kind of taught, you know, from the age of 12, 13, you go with this man, and that's it that's their only future you have lots of babies one after another and the cycle of poverty continues but what we are doing is we're trying to break that cycle of poverty and by teaching them a trade they can get jobs you know everybody thinks in uganda go to college you know it's kind of like us go to university and you'll be successful but that's not the case you know, in some in Uganda, there's 40,000 people every year graduating from university, and there's 8,000 jobs. So what do the other people do? Well, they're at the market selling tomatoes. They're out in the gardens digging and selling what they grow, and that's about the best that they can do. But by giving them a skill, then they are able to provide for themselves. And that's our goal. You know, that's our goal is to have these children grow up into young men and women who, um, who God will use to transform not only their own lives, but to transform their communities and their country for the Lord. You know, people say, well, why don't you bring them to America? We want them to stay there. Because that way, they can bring change to their country from within, right? If we bring them to the U.S., that's good for that one child. But how does that benefit their country? So we're really praying that God would bring revival back to Uganda in a depth of Christianity. There's a, um, the, it, they say it's a mile wide and an inch deep the Christianity in Uganda, and not saying that there aren't a lot of really, really good Christians. There are, but for the most part, we came in evangelized and left, you know, and so we need to come in now and bring that level down, especially for the kids that had been abducted, because um, Joseph Coney really weaved, like, the Bible and superstition and all of that into these kids' brains and minds and hearts. So we're having to try to unravel all of that. It's a really difficult and a long process. So you have between that and that long process of healing, it takes time and patience and love and care to do that. So with this vocational program, kids are able to graduate and they have these amazing jobs. One of our young men, he started a mechanic shop, and now he has kids working for him. Or not kids. They're young boys from our program. We have girls that have not only – because when they get out, they don't have sewing machines. So they rent one, and then they raise enough money to buy one. So once they do that, then they have their own business. And they're able to provide for themselves as well. Not just for them, but for their guardians. Now, the children, uh, we wish that they could stay with us 24-7, but the government makes us send them back. So because um, so they are sent back to these um, villages that their uh, guardians and relatives live in. So we had to find people that would take care of them. So we tried to find an uncle or an aunt, mostly aunts and uh, grandmothers. And um, so that's who we placed them with during those holidays. We also began to realize as we would send them back, there was so much dysfunction. Because that guardian had also been in 20 years of war. So back up 20 years, maybe they had been a child soldier um they had been abused, they had been raped, you know, dismember, you know, seen people dismembered and stuff. So we started a guardian angel program and those women, um, those guardians are taught parenting, business, reconciliation about the Lord is weaved all in that. They have Bible study with them. One of the um, stories that I heard back from them was this 80-year-old man. They talked about forgiveness and reconciliation. And he said, this is the first time I've ever heard of forgiveness. And he was 80. So we started in this new community um, called Chuero. And um, we started teaching that guardian angel project. And we came in and said you know you think the problem with discipline is the kids but it's actually you you've been in war so long you have this pain and these scars that you have smushed down if you will suppressed and it's coming out in alcoholism and abuse and all of these other things so the problem is you you know and so they went through that process of reconciliation and healing And that night, they had asked them to write down who they wanted to forgive, who God wanted them to forgive. And sitting right next to each other, you know, there was 300 guardians there. Sitting next to each other might have been somebody that killed my mother or killed my child. So you're sitting next to people that were also former child soldiers that had done these things so they began right in that you know that time together forgiving one another and it was interesting how god works there hadn't been rain in their community there was rain here and here and here all around but not where they were that night as they that meeting went on and on to the early morning and they said when they stopped it started raining. You know, just God's just pouring His blessings on them because they had forgiven one another. You know, we start off with just trying to help the kids, but you don't realize how far God really wants to take this. You know, into the into the lives of these guardians who each one of them has five to ten other orphans they're helping. And to bring healing, into that little home, which is a hut, and they're all sleeping on the floor, bringing healing here is bringing healing in that entire community. So we're just seeing God use those things. Now you're going to ask, what about COVID? It's hit us hard. It's hit northern Uganda quite hard, or the whole country. So immediately in March, we had the first lockdown, just like the rest of us. We had to send our kids from our safe, beautiful villages, homes, you know, the village we have, back into those communities. Thankfully, the guardians are healing, right? But there's some, obviously, that are not. So we had to send them all back. Then it took us over a month to get permission to spring food to them because of COVID, they had the lockdown. So we had to get the government's approval to be able to not only bring food, but also sanitary, um, soap and Clorox and those type of things to help them to sanitize themselves. But, you know, it's just, it's not a perfect situation as for all of us. People were starving because they couldn't even go to the market. Um, they were locked down in their communities, and again, it just, for some of our kids, it was really bad because their guardians had not um, been coming to our Guardian Angel Project. There's been abuse. Um, one of our girls got pregnant and by an older man, and these things still happen, and it's just it's heartbreaking, especially when you're seeing them. This girl's in high school, and she was ready to go to college, and then this happens, so now what, you know? And all of our situations are really crisis comes up. Okay, Lord, what do you want us to do? And, you know, sometimes another program comes out of that. Um, but in the midst of all of this, I was asking um, because we're working on our Thanksgiving newsletter, and I said, you know, what are some of the things that you're thankful for? And it was just beautiful to read. I know, I'm going to read this without my glasses, but oh well. Um, one of them, um, Village of Hope has given me the opportunity to, to grow and serving has helped me to appreciate God more and helping me grow personally, which is priceless. If it wasn't for um, God using Village of Hope, I would be dead. You know? Um, let me see, what's the other ones? Here we go. Thankful for God's provision for all of the kids and staff during these hard times. When others have gone away, Village of Hope has stayed. Uh, God has used, um, continues to provide for us during COVID. I'm thankful for all the supporters who have loved us deeply. Um, The list goes on and on. I I just picked a few of those. But helping us to see that even in the midst of COVID, God is using our kids. And, um, you know, we're seeing how... Now, even as the the lockdown has lifted some, our kids aren't back at school. We're praying that in January they'd be able to come back to the villages. But um, as of right now, they haven't. So they've missed mostly almost a year and a half. At one point, we were able to go in shifts, you know, so some would come in and then others would come in. So um, anyway... Um, but the kids that have um, are older have begun growing in the gardens and are selling things on the side markets because they don't have much opportunity. But thankfully, we're able to bring food to them twice a month. And um, But again, they want to uh, subsidize what they're eating with their gardens and everything. So what would I say pray for? Pray for... Um, the lockdown to be lifted. Pray that our kids do not get COVID. We've uh, the ones that have gotten COVID have been mild cases, but we did unfortunately have one of our kids die, uh, one of our boys. So um, pray for um, so those two things and um, um, pray for their protection from COVID. That we'd be able to bring them back soon. And I think that's really the two main things right now that we need prayers for, for our kids. Um, Just again, you know, you guys have been hugely supportive. When COVID first hit, you know, we talked to you guys and you guys helped. When we had the floods, you guys came in and helped. You guys are regularly, uh, constantly supporting us. And we couldn't do what we do if it wasn't for you guys. And, um, you know, I know that that sounds like a pat answer, but it really is the truth. You know, if we didn't have churches like you guys and individuals like you that support and sponsor our kids and write to our kids, we really wouldn't be able. We're not a big organization, you know. It's, it's just me and my friend Terry, um, who's our uh, associate director. We're all friends. It doesn't matter. But it's just the two of us in the U.S., you know. And then, um, then we have all of our Ugandan staff. We're Ugandan-led. Um, we're not an American organization over there. We want it to be as grassroots as possible. We don't want to Americanize these kids. We want a Christian Ugandan transforming, you know, um, children. And we do see God transform the lives of these children And it's a beautiful—I think it's perfect. You guys are transforming life, and that's what we're about. You know, you can take um, and feed a child, important. Educate a child, excellent. Provide medication, awesome, and homes. But the only real thing that matters is the transforming life of Jesus Christ in their lives. That's the only thing that's going to change— Those hearts that have been abused, those lives that have been abused. We were in a church one time, and I saw these three boys in the back, beginning of the year, new students. And they came in, and they were older, so they were going to vocational. Never seen them before. They were, like, mean-looking. I mean, scary faces, and, you know, it's just real stern and, and I was like, Rose, who are those boys, you know? Oh, those are our kids. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I came back three months later, and I'm like, Rose, where are those boys? She said, they're right there. I'm like, that's not them. Their countenance had changed. Their countenance, the whole, it was from the inside out. You know, God had, God can only transform the life of a person, and that's what it's really all about. That's what Village of Hope is really all about. Not just helping, but seeing God transform. We can't do that. We get to see it. We get to be a part of that. And you do too. You know, as you read our newsletters, or you as you hear about us, as you pray for us, You're a part of that, and I can't thank you guys enough. So thank you very much. Can we just
0: uh, pray for Cindy and the whole organization? And if you're at home watching with us, if you can just take a pause just to pray for Village of Hope and Cindy and the team there. Jesus, thank you that you're still being glorified. We thank you that your people are still lifting you up. And Lord, I just thank you so much for Cindy. And thank you, Lord, that she heard your small, still voice. I thank you, Lord, that she asked the question and you answered. I thank you, Lord, that she's been so obedient through so much difficulty. I thank you, Father, for the inspiration she is of following you and obeying you, no matter how hard it is, how difficult it is. And I thank you for the small seeds that you have just multiplied many times over to bear much fruit. I just pray your protection over Cindy, encourage her today Fill her with your spirit, God, give her strength, God, renew her heart and vision. And just pray, Lord, also for the ministry in Uganda. Today, Lord, we pray that this lockdown will be over, that they'll be free to love and to preach and to serve, to give, to educate, to heal, to bring light. I pray for the kids, God, against COVID in Jesus' name. We pray for healing in incredible ways, Lord. We pray for your continued provision, Father. And we just thank you for all the work that you're doing, Lord. And we surrender it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Cindy, for sharing. Uh, I just hope that you continue to uh, pray for uh, the group there. And also, you know, we do support them monthly. And if you're interested in partnering with Sponsoring a Child, we've done that in the past as well. We can help you with that. And then also we have other needs that come up throughout the year that we can make you aware of as well.